Hey, good morning. Um, so we're going to kind of do a little game. So in the uh, video, they wrote down uh, a couple questions that they wanted to ask people that they were just getting to know. So we're going to do that right now. You don't have to ask anybody right now. So on the back of your update, there's room for to write. So if you want to write down a couple questions, things that you would want to ask somebody to get to know them more, if you're just meeting them or something like that. This should be really easy. Is it easy or is it hard? Easy? Hard? All right, so we're going to come back to this at the end of the service. So um, if you think of a question while during the teaching, I won't mind if you, like, write it down. You can do that. Um, so my name is Alyssa, and I am one of the pastors here at Central City Church. It's so good uh, to be in worship with you this morning. Um, I'm really excited to be teaching this morning on intentional relationships. You've kind of heard that um, that theme a couple times already this morning with our um, with our week of service in Franklinton, with our small group uh, invitation. So one of our core values is intentional relationships. Uh, but before we get started, I wanted to share a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up on the southeast side of Columbus, a town called Groveport. It was kind of weird because my address was Columbus, but I went to Groveport schools, but then we always went to Columbus for stuff and shopped in Reynoldsburg. It was weird. Like, if you live in Columbus, you know what I'm talking about, how all these neighborhoods kind of go in. But it was cool because both of my parents and my sister and I all graduated from Groveport High School. So it was really fun to have the same teachers that my sister had and that my parents had. And it was fun because my dad was a really bad student. Like, he was the kid that would roam the halls and always get in trouble. And he was a twin, which makes it even worse because they did the typical twin stuff where you switch, like one has a test, so the other takes the test for that twin. Terrible. But I heard all those stories growing up, so it was really fun. Um, But it's fun. uh, Oh, I'm a dog person. Anybody else in here a dog person? I love dogs, probably more than anything else in the world. Um, Every time I see a dog, I go, oh. If you've ever been around me on the street, uh, you can attest to that. Uh, Some people have that reaction to babies, but I don't. I usually only have that reaction with dogs. Uh, Before we had Finn, our uh, 10-month-old son, people would always talk about uh, their children and talk about things they were doing, and I would always relate to them, but with my dog. So I'd be like, oh, yeah, Stella does that too. I love that. She eats paper too. This is Stella. It's a little blurry, but that's her natural state. We don't have any pictures of her that aren't blurry. So this was the best one that I could find. She's cute. We really like her. Um, But I don't like cats at all. I know. I'm sorry if you're a cat person. I just, I can't do it. One, I'm deathly allergic to cats. 
but I also just don't like them. They're terrifying to me. I always feel like they're like getting ready to do something really mean. Like you never know if they have claws and if they're going to like claw you to death or I don't even know. I don't even know. I'm just always afraid around cats. But regardless of if you like dogs or cats, uh, regardless of who you are and if you fit into a mold that society has created or you don't, you are welcome here, and we want you to know that you have a place here. We joke about a lot of things, but one thing that we don't joke about is that we don't care who you are, what you've done, what your story is. We are glad you're here, and we want to walk with you in everything that is going on in your life. And we would go one step further that we would argue that you are not here this morning by accident, that you are not a part of this community by accident, but that you are here for a purpose. We'd love to help you uh, live into that purpose more fully and know why God has created you. You can find a place here. You can know, be known and know others. Our three core values here at Central City are dynamic worship, intentional relationships, and risk-taking mission. We don't want to just put on a show, but we want to create a genuine place for us to worship the God who created us, where we can leave changed with a purpose and a clear direction to how God is going to use us throughout the week. We want to be a place where you can be known for who you are with all of your stuff, because we all have stuff. And we believe that authentic relationships almost always happen on the other side of conflict or tension. When we can confront, love, and forgive one another, we can truly say that we are known and we know others. And we don't want to just come to worship, just study the Bible together, but we want our worship and our time together to be a launching pad for how we engage with the city, with our neighbors, with the people around us. That when we leave worship, when we leave our small groups, we know where and how God wants to use us throughout the week and throughout the city. At each of our preview services this summer, uh, June, July, and August, we're talking about each of these three core values. So last month, we talked about dynamic worship. And if you weren't here and you want to listen to that, um, we have a podcast that you can get to on our website or on iTunes if you search Central City Church. Um, that's, that's fun. Search Central City Church. I can't even say it five times fast. Uh, but today we're, we're going to talk about intentional relationships, and in August we're going to talk about risk-taking mission. Um, but before we get into the teaching, would you pray with me? God, we love you, and we are so thrilled to be here in your presence with one another. I ask that you would use these words in that I would speak fearlessly and that the mystery of this gospel that you have proclaimed to us would be ma- made known this morning to each of us. I pray that your spirit would invade each of us, that we would be changed from the inside out to better love you and to love one another. Give us attentiveness to your word and to the call that you have for us this morning. We love you and we are here because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, there's room on the back of your update if you want to take notes this morning. Um, Not that you have to, but I want you to know that that it's there. Um, And also, if you want to follow along either with a paper 
paper Bible if you brought one or a smartphone app. You're welcome to do that. The scripture will also be on the screen behind me as well. We're going to look at uh, two passages this morning, and both of them are in the book of Luke. Luke is the third gospel, the third book in the New Testament. And uh, this Luke was one of the 12 disciples that Jesus called, and he writes about his time, his experience walking through earth with Jesus. And so we're going to look at his perspective on what Jesus uh, taught him about intentional relationships. So while you're finding Luke, why intentional relationships? Why is this a core value at Central City? Some of you can probably come up with some reasons why this might be important, but I just want to share with you, I read an article this week um, that posed the question, can Facebook replace church? Interesting question. It caught me. I obviously, I don't normally click on links, but I clicked on this one. It was very interesting. I found it on Facebook, by the way. Um, Mark Zuckerberg knows that we all crave community that we all want to connect with others, to be known, and he thinks that Facebook is the answer, obviously, because he gets paid from that. But maybe he's right. Maybe that face, maybe online communities, Facebook is the future of our relationships. This article cites that there are 30 million people in America who are done with the church. They've left. It's irrelevant. They're not coming back. They've left the institution behind. They might still read their Bibles or listen to the Christian radio station or talk about God in a coffee shop, but they no longer find meaningful relationships with the church. They go to Facebook or bars or coffee shops for those kind of interactions. And I don't know about you, but every time I'm on Facebook, it just gives me the illusion of relationship. I think that I know these people that I haven't seen in 10 years, but I really, I don't, I don't have that fullness of, of them knowing me because I don't even know if they're looking at my stuff in their feed. Have you ever wondered that? Do people see my stuff in their feed when I see their stuff? Keep scrolling through Facebook because I'm still craving to know something or someone. I'm thinking that, oh, something's going to pop up. Something's going to come. I can sit on Facebook all day and feel drained because nothing came from my time there. Don't get me wrong, I still do it. But I don't know if any, I don't know anyone or myself or God better because I was on Facebook. Let me be real for a minute. I suck at relationships. I'm probably the worst person in relationships. I'm known for not texting people back. I'm known for not responding to emails or not answering my phone or when we, when we make a date to go somewhere, I always want to cancel because I am an introvert. I'd rather sit at home by myself. I'm the worst at relationships. I've screwed up so many friendships, potential friendships, long-time friendships. But I honestly believe that real, authentic, deep relationships are so important. I just need help. And that's why we're here. Relationships are everything in the kingdom of God. And I don't think they can just happen online, which is, again, why I'm here. Many of you, many of you have heard the, the great commandments. Love God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I want to read this passage from Luke's perspective. It can be found Luke 10, verses 25 through 29. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
What is written in the law, Jesus, he replied. How do you read it? The teacher answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But, he, but the Pharisee wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now, Jared talked about this in the announcement, and I don't want to spoil it because we're going to talk about this next month. So I don't want to give you the answer right away to who is my neighbor. But we see here in this passage that our relationships with God, others, and ourselves are inherently connected to eternal life. Inherently connected to our forever, inherently connected to our now. The expert in the law who is asking about eternal life, Jesus guides him to how he does life right now in the present, with God and with the people around him. How we do relationships now with God, with others, and with ourselves is inherently connected to our eternal life. Relationships are everything in the kingdom of God. And as disciples of Jesus, we are always working to bring the kingdom wherever we are, And so that means that we have to be intentional about the relationships we have and how we do those relationships. So what does intentional mean? I mean, I think we use that word. When I was in college, it was kind of one of those buzzwords that we all used it, but we didn't really mean anything by it. Intentional means deliberate or done on purpose, which is kind of ironic that intentional means that deliberate when we just used it as a buzzword. So when we say intentional relationships, we mean relationships that are done on purpose. We have to want it. We have to decide that it's going to happen. We have to be on purpose. We have to be intentional. Until we decide to do something, to have a relationship, to spend time with God, to change a habit, it's not going to happen. We have to be deliberate. This is just a weird example, but I'm really bad at eating. I um, just, I never think about it until I'm hungry. And most days Joe has to ask to cook me something or to make sure that I'm eating because I just don't think about it and I don't plan for it or I just like eat a whole bag of potato chips. Um, So this is one thing that I, in my life, now that we have a kitchen and a kitchen sink, that I am thinking I have to be intentional about making meals, preparing, and thinking about it. It hasn't happened yet. But I'm going to be intentional about it because if I don't, then bad things happen. You all know what it's like when you don't eat. So I realize that when I don't eat, bad thing happens, but that doesn't change my habit until I've decided that I'm actually going to start cooking and start preparing meals. So it's this intention. When we don't have intention, things just happen. I saw a quote that says, change is inevitable. Growth is intentional. We will change. It's just a matter of if we change for the better. We will have interactions with other people and with ourselves and with God. But unless we are intentional, we're always going to be stuck or unsatisfied, scrolling through Facebook, just waiting, wishing for something meaningful to pop up. Unless we're intentional, we're not going to build those relationships. Being intentional means that making a decision means making a decision and following through with that. So intentional relationships. Relationships, like I said, are everything in the kingdom of God. And so we have to do it, and we have to do them well. So let's talk about how. I want to talk about the three relationships Jesus implies are the most important according to this greatest commandment. 
Jesus talks about God, others, and self. When I was in high school, I taught a youth camp, and one of the ways that we got the kids to remember this is joy, Jesus, others, you. And so if we always have those in balance, and if we are always in relationship with Jesus, others, and ourselves, then we have joy, Jesus, others, you. So it's just fun. Um, Okay, throughout the Gospels, uh, Jesus talks about these different relationships, and we see his example of how to do these relationships. So if you still have your Bible open or your app open, we're going to look at Luke chapter 6. And we're just going to go through uh, the first part of this chapter and talk about how Jesus deals with these three relationships. The way this story unfolds, they're going to kind of be out of order, but we all get the point. It's all the same. So Luke chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And then he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Many of us have heard of the concept of Sabbath. Sabbath is a day set aside for rest from work and to worship God. God created the Sabbath when he created the world. He worked each day, creating different things for six days. And then on the seventh day, scripture says that God rested. And because God rested, God told humans that we should rest too. We should work during the week and take a Sabbath to rest from our work at the end of that. By the time we get to Jesus, though, Jews had uh, created so many stipulations regarding what counts as work and what doesn't. And so, so much so that the command that God created became so burdensome instead of light. It became restricting instead of life-giving. God created rest for us, but they had, it had become burdensome. We see Jesus confront this in his interaction with the Pharisees. Jesus and his disciples are, are caring for themselves, are eating, are wandering, are not working. They're just, you know, meandering. And the Jewish, uh, but within Jewish interpretation of the law, it looks like they're working, rubbing the grain between their hands. That's what was considered work. So even though they needed to eat, they weren't allowed to do that. Jesus says here, though, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, which means I can do whatever I want. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I can do whatever I want. Don't tell me what to do. I love uh, in Mark's version of this story. Jesus reminds the Pharisees that the Sabbath was made for humans, not humans for the Sabbath. God created it for us, for our well-being, for our good. God created humans to work, but, but he knew that we would need time away from work and that the demands of life uh, would be so heavy that we would need to, time to focus on ourselves and, our, and on God, to rest. And that's how much God cares for us, that God would create space in our lives and call us to rest. My favorite example of Jesus doing this is in Mark. There's a huge storm happening while Jesus and the disciples are on a boat, and Mark 4.34 says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Isn't that great? The disciples came and said, don't you care about us? We're going to die. But I saw this meme on Facebook several weeks ago. It says, in the midst of a long day, don't forget, Jesus took naps. That's my favorite because I love naps. But it's just, it just goes to show that even Jesus rested. 
that even Jesus took time aside to care for himself. And if we're going to love others and if we're going to love God, we need to know who we are and to take care of ourselves, to rest, to eat, to nap. Jesus did it, and we're allowed to, too. Sometimes we're so concerned with our work, with keeping up with friendships, with doing extracurriculars, that we forget to take time to get to know ourselves, to be alone, to take care of me. What are your excuses for not taking care of yourself? My go-to answer is, I'm busy. What are your excuses for not taking care of yourself, for not spending time with yourself? Skipping down to verse 12, uh, Luke six twelve says, One of those days Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. The first greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, know God and know that God knows and loves us. In order to know someone, we have to spend time with them. And Jesus gives us this perfect example time and time again. He goes away to mountains, to solitary places, to gardens. And throughout the stories that we have of Jesus, he goes to these places often. So even the Son of God, who came from God, is God, still needed time to embrace and know God. Luke 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This is often. Again, the demands of the world and the work that we have to do can be so great that we forget or we brush aside the need to spend time with God. But if Jesus is to sustain his life, there is no way that we can survive or thrive without doing it as well. What are your excuses for not spending time with God? Again, my go-to answer, I'm busy. Now I use Finn as an excuse. I have a 10-month-old. Can't do anything. (laughs) But what are your excuses for not spending time often with God? In Luke 6, after Jesus spends time in prayer, all night, mind you, it says he prayed all night. So he rests sometimes, but he prays all night. He does probably the most influential thing of his ministry. Sure, healings and teaching is great, but here, after he goes away to pray, he chooses his 12 disciples, the people he would eventually send into all the world, which still impacts us today. We live in the legacy of these men and unnamed women who Jesus calls his most intimate followers. Luke six thirteen through 16 says, When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot. In scripture, prayer almost always accompanies the appointment of people to special positions. We see this in the book of Acts as they're choosing new disciples. They pray consistently before they appoint them. So as we move in to talk about our relationship with others, maybe we should begin with prayer about who God would have us be in intimate relationship with. Who are the people who hold those important positions in your life? Are you praying 
for those people? Are you praying about who those people should be? That could probably be the most intentional way for you to begin new relationships or deepen existing relationships. So Jesus prays, spends time with God, which is necessary to who he then calls to be his most intimate followers. And then in Luke 16 through 6, 17 through 19, we see how Jesus is interacting with his disciples. Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, all over the region, and he began to teach them and heal them. So the second part of the greatest commandment is to love people. We love God and we love people. And the greatest commandment says we love people as we love ourselves. So we know ourselves because we've spent time away. We've taken care of ourselves. We eat, we rest, we spend time away from others so that we can love others well. Jesus did this by having intimate relationships with a select number of people. He lived with them, learned with them, taught them, ate with them. He went on adventures with them. He met their families, visited their homes. Sometimes he stayed the night with their families. He traveled with them, and he loved them. They became his family. But he also had relationships with large crowds. Throughout the Gospels, we hear all the time the crowds are following Jesus. Sometimes he can't get away from them. But he taught them, he healed them, he fed them, and he had compassion on them. We can use this as our example, too, as we look at the types of relationships in our lives. We know that there have to be those small groups of people who know us intimately. That's our family. That's our friends. That's our our community of people who we can talk to, who know us, and we can know. But we also need a larger community that comes together to worship, to hear teachings, and to find healing together. Jesus balances these, and they live, they're in uh, tension with each other. So sometimes he's just with his disciples. Sometimes he's with his disciples in the crowd. A Gallup poll, uh, Gallup is a research company. They surveyed 140,000 people. And they were asking them um, about how they spend their time socially. So the individuals who reported being alone all day, where they had zero hours of social time, they performed the poorest on the happiness stress index. They are experiencing less enjoyment and intense worry. People that spend zero time with others in a day have less enjoyment and intense worry. But they also found that the reverse is true for those who devote a large part of their day to social time with the happiness to stress ratio rising for each additional hour you spend with people. But then it peaks. Don't we all get that where we're like, I've been around people all day. I just need to get away. So there is a limit to socializing six or seven hours. There's a key to our happiness, guys. So among those who report spending six to seven hours of social time with family and friends on any given day, those, um, they experience a lot of enjoyment and experience less extreme worry. So this survey finds that social time, time with others, is crucial to our well-being. And I get this when I'm home all day alone, which doesn't happen anymore. But when I am home all day alone, 
I spend a majority of the time on Facebook pretending like I'm in relationship with people. But I also just sit and I'm watching TV and I feel depressed. I feel lonely. And I'm, it's like I'm craving something, but I, but I didn't do anything about it. Facebook makes me feel like I'm connected, but I'm not. I'm more tired than when I woke up in the morning. I feel bad about myself. I'm kind of lost in myself. We're meant to interact with people on a regular basis, but I get the other side of the survey as well for us introverts in the room. Uh, If I spend too much time with other people and I don't have time for me to process, reflect, be with myself, then I start to feel exhausted, crappy, annoyed. You get that. We need both. But neither of these happen on accident. Relationships do not happen on accident. We have to decide to spend time with people. We have to decide to spend time alone. They don't happen naturally. Most of us want relationships. We want to know others and be known by others. But we have excuses. I'm too busy. I don't have time. I'm an introvert and I don't know anyone, so I'm just going to stay home. I don't know how to do relationships, so I'm just going to stick with my dog. I have one friend that I talk to every other month, and that's enough. People are difficult. Conversations tend to get awkward. I suck at relationships. These are the excuses that we have. Is there a relationship in your life right now that you've let slip away? What is your excuse for not being intentional in your relationships? Your relationships with God and with others. Excuses allow us to remain in our comfort zone, to dodge conflict and honesty. But if we desire to follow Jesus, to live in the kingdom of God, we can't live with these excuses anymore. The gospel of Jesus is completely wrapped up in our relationship with God, with others, and ourself. God decided intentionally that he would create the world and humanity to be in relationship with us. Throughout history, God desired to be in relationship with his people. And when the distance between heaven and earth got too great, God came to earth as a human to show us just how important relationship between God and humans is. Jesus, as a human, also showed us how to relate to one another, how to love one another. Jesus, as a human, with all of our mortality, ate and slept and spent time away to show us how to take care of ourselves. In the gospel of Jesus, the good news is that when Jesus died on the cross, he not only saved us from all of our stuff, from all of our sins, and overcame the evil in the world, But Jesus gave us his spirit to be in each of us, to stay with us so that we could continue our relationship with God and with each other. Now, this was a new way for me to hear and understand the gospel. I never looked at it really in this way. In the context of relationships, the gospel seems so much more intimate, so personal. If you're hearing the gospel for the first time or for the first time in a long time or the first time like this, and you want to do something about it, I invite you to talk to God about what you heard and how it impacted you. I also invite you to talk to another Christian. We can't do this alone. Ask questions. Share what God is teaching you right now. I'll be around after the service. Joe will be around if you want to talk or pray or share anything with us. All of our relationships with God, others, ourselves are so intertwined. And as a new church community, we have the opportunity to live out these relationships together 
and help each other grow in each of these relationships with God and with others. We believe that spiritual growth happens best in circles, not rows. Right now we're sitting in rows facing one direction, and this is good. We need this time to come together, to worship together. We're learning the stories of Jesus and of the church, but it can't end there. This can't be the end. We have to go deeper. In circles, we can practice the story that we learned today. We can practice Sabbath together. We can practice praying together, practice having intimate relationships. As we learn the story and we practice the story, we eventually start to become the story. If you don't have a small group of people, a circle that you meet regularly with, we want that to be your next step. We have a couple of small groups at Central City that meet throughout the week on different days. Um, But if you've never been in a small group or it's been a long time and you want to know uh, how we do small groups, what small groups look like, how to get into a small group, um, Joe talked earlier about about our small group brunch. We'd love to invite you to that. It'll be next Saturday, July 15th, 10 a.m. at Trinity Church. Uh, You can mark your Connect card. We'd love for you to um, mark that so that you can find out what it looks like to be in intimate relationships, intentional relationships with one another. So at the beginning of this service, you all wrote down questions, right? Still have those? These are questions that you would ask someone as you're starting to get to know them. Maybe you've met for the first time, or you've seen them, or you've met, and you haven't seen them in a while. So we're not going to have a closing song this week. Instead, we thought that we would practice building relationships here this morning. So I'm the introvert in the room, and I hate the time of the service when we have to go meet new people. I hate that time because I don't want to meet new people. But the cool thing about this is instead of meeting everyone in the room, you have the opportunity to just have one good conversation with someone you don't know. So you don't have to meet everyone, but have a good conversation. Um, Ask your questions, answer their questions, let the conversation lead you where it goes. So we don't want you to go home right away and forget about relationships, but we want you to practice and uh, start building the beginning of a relationship today. Uh, You can stay as short as or as long as you want. Um, Don't Don't ask people you know your questions. Don't let yourself get off that easy. Don't ask the question to someone you came with, someone you already know. Go meet someone new. And if you know everyone in the room, you don't. So I'm not going to do a benediction or anything because our worship isn't over. We're going to continue this conversation. So before you leave, just give each other a simple blessing. Uh, We like to say, may the peace of Christ be with you. Uh, You can say, have a blessed week. Have a good week. That is uh, your benediction for the day. So let's uh, practice and become the story that God created us to be. We invite you to, to get to know each other now.